Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmLife.com. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama unsure that the way you're showing up in your homeschool isn't the way you want to be showing up in your homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey to help you strategize ways to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome, homeschool mama. Today, I get to introduce you to Betsy Jenkins from Homeschooling with the Classics. Betsy Jenkins is the mother of five awesome boys aged 6 to 20. She's an artist and co-owner of a decorative design company, though you may know her best for her classical art memes on Instagram. Betsy is married to a Renaissance man who can build and fix just about anything. Together, they are just crazy enough to think that raising and educating a million boys at home is a really sweet deal. Her focus tends to be in helping moms not take themselves so seriously, develop a sense of humor, and allow themselves to reach out for help when they need it. Welcome, Betsy. Such a pleasure to have you here. I've been following you for uh, at least a year and a half since I started my own homeschool account. And I've found that I have reshared so many of your memes because they are a hilarious and they reflect my homeschool reality. And you're saying things on your account that I frankly know it in my soul that this is true, but I would sometimes be nervous to share publicly. But I truly enjoy your homeschool account, and it it makes me feel connected and makes me feel understood. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about your homeschool family and how you came to homeschooling. Well, I never intended to homeschool. So I actually did uh, myself grades 6 through 10. I was part of a co-op where we met three half days a week and then did the rest of our work at home. So it was kind of a homeschool situation. You know, I went through school with the same six kids for those years. And then I graduated uh, my junior and senior year in one doing independent study. So I knew that homeschooling could be great. I loved it, but I didn't necessarily want to put that much effort into it. So (laughs) I was always planning to just send my kids off to school. But then when my second son was in second grade, I really felt like God was calling me to bring him home and school him at home. And I just said, how am I supposed to do this? I don't have a teaching degree. Um, You know, I don't know what to do or where to start. I don't know what curriculum to use. And God was just like, just go after his heart, just go after his heart and I'll handle the rest. So with that in mind, I just kind of built a curriculum around my son's interests, my son's learning style, his, you know, focal points that he loved and really went after our heart connection. And then God said, okay, let's bring the next one home. (laughs) So I have five sons and I ended up now I'm homeschooling four of them. My oldest is 20. I homeschooled him for one year. We had creative differences. So he went off to his STEM charter school and graduated valedictorian. And now he's doing his degree in biology and thriving. And so it's just been an amazing journey for us. A heart connection. That's been the goal. And I think that's such a 
beautiful focus or value. It's the reason why you're really homeschooling. And I think that heart connection, that is, if we keep that as the main point or the center of why we do everything, why we wake up in the morning and we make breakfast and we get to our homeschool routine and whatever form that takes, that we can always go back to that and say, is this really fulfilling that heart connection? Absolutely. It's my main thing that I go to when I feel that anxiety level rising, like we're not doing enough, we're getting behind, you know, I'm looking to my left and to my right at Linda and Susan who are doing, you know, Latin and this one's kids are, you know, doing algebra in kindergarten. And <laughs> am I up to grade standards? And yes. when I refocus on my core, why heart connection? Yeah, it just automatically brings all of that stress right down because I know what my job is. And I don't have to concern with myself with things too lofty for my understanding. You know, we right. can, we can build up to things gently because we're, we're honoring our heart connection. Mm, yeah. And that really disables or disarms all the really cha big challenges that we have in our homeschool, mm -hmm. because we a know that ultimately the goal is to connect and it's not about creating a perfect curriculum or finding the perfect routine, or like you said, a charter school or co-op or anything you fill in the blank, but you're always going after is the connection, the heart connection or the relationship secure, which yes. will always be the thing you look back on in homeschooling and say, is the relationship secure? The mm -hmm. learning is not the thing that it's definitely the thing that we think before we get into homeschooling that we are going to focus on and are we capable of enabling that or sharing that with our kids but then real homeschooling we discover um yeah no they're fine they are learning animals <laughs> they like to learn it's easy yes. to stuff to learn and resources to learn but figuring out how to show up as a homeschool mom in your homeschool on purpose and not be reactive and not be overwhelmed or lonely or you fill in the blank that one is tricky learning how to do absolutely. that and maintaining a connection is tricky. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree with that. And for us too, that heart connection is the reason that my oldest didn't end up staying homeschooled because it hurt our heart connection. Yes. Um, it was best for him to go to that STEM charter school. So um, you have to kind of set aside your ideas of what's going to be the trajectory for your family and yeah. what the, the end goal is, and instead focus on the children in front of you and what they need. Yeah, that is interesting. So tell me about how you came to understand that, because that was definitely not my focus when I started parenting or homeschooling. I just had these really these beautiful pictures like you've got on your Instagram account um, of families together enjoying their presence or their time together and have building all these memories recreating all the good things about childhood and there was not going to be any challenges in any of it <laughs> yes absolutely I think most of us come to parenthood with ourselves as the primary focus yeah. that we are the center of this universe and our children orbit around us yeah. that we're the ones who are instilling them with different character qualities and different traits when actually as Charlotte Mason says so beautifully every child is the born person yeah. our children come to us with full personalities and likes and dislikes and pensions and quirks and all those things are beautiful and unique 
And it's our job to actually become students of our children's natures to figure Mm -hmm. out who they are and the way that they themselves are meant to go. Not the way that society says they should go or, you know, whoever our inner idea of perfect family says they should go, but the way that this child was actually created to go and then to help them grow into that. Because we're just actually garden keepers here. It's not our job to make the garden grow. We're just here to prune and tend and water and feed. As best we can. And that that is mm-hmm. so true. I love that Charlotte Mason quote because it really speaks to what I have come to understand. When I first had kids, I had their names. I had their names in high school. All 10 of them. <laughs> I have love it. <laughs> yes. And it turns out my husband didn't want all those names or all those kids. So we were going to have a boy, a girl, a boy, a girl. And we had two or three girls and a boy. <laughs> and and their personalities were different than I probably imagined them to be. And as they continued to grow and, and develop, I learned that I could look back and identify certain traits in them when they were much, much younger and say, oh, wow, yeah, that one is definitely an Enneagram type eight. She's three Mm -hmm. years old and she's walking up to the cashier and gives them money, barely can count the money. And I don't think she could even count the money. I'd give her the cash. (laughs) And she said, I would like a muffin, please. And the cashier would giggle and just be like, oh, my gosh, you're so cute. You're so beautiful. And she would be like, pardon me, but I would like my muffin, please. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm a born person. (laughs) And I have some mission to accomplish. And who knew I could look all the way back there and identify that she was definitely a type eight. And understanding that she was a very different person outside of who I am. And that they all are very different people. And my only goal in it is to encourage them to become more who they were meant to be. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that just, doesn't that just take kind of a load off your shoulders? Yeah. This idea that your only job is to actually show them, hold a mirror up to them of who they're meant to be, like according to how they were created. Yeah. And you don't have to twist and bend them out of shape. You just have to help them grow into their shape. So, but it's instinct for me to be reactive to certain things. And we all Mm. have our stories. I think why we are reactive in certain ways, Um, but it really has helped me learn my personality profile with Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or things like that. So Mm -hmm. that I can really see that my reason for focusing in relationships the way that I do is born out of, uh, you know, specific reasons. As an Enneagram type two, my goal is to make sure you like me and um, make sure that I can do something to serve you. And that brings me a sense of meaning or value. And though I think there's, there's a good reason for that, it's not always a useful element of who I am because it means I can have my boundaries overstepped. It means that I can spend too much time or energy on what other people think. And yet knowing who I am, knowing why I function the way I function helps me relate to other people. Or as we were speaking earlier about type eights, their instinct is to not be so gracious and say what they think. (laughs) You know, yes, yes. (laughs) they're not really thinking about other people's hearts first and Mm -hmm. yet they're great leaders and they get stuff done 
And when we understand that, we're able to have perspective on why we're all here and how we can all function together. Absolutely. Yeah. I have several different uh, personality types in my home, and it has been both a wonder and a challenge growing to know them. Um, I am an Enneagram 4, so the whole idea of plumbing the depths and discovering the motives and intentions and hearts beneath everything is obviously a big thing with me. But my kids also know that they can sidetrack me by changing every conversation into a heart conversation so that I just (laughs) melt into a pile of goo that's not really helpful in giving them the spelling test anymore because I'm caring for their heart. So I love that. (laughs) That makes so much sense, actually. Your account is very creative, very artistic, and you're able to observe what people think or you're able to take what we see in our homeschool worlds or in our families and put it into memes. And really you can speak on anything because you're doing it in a humorous way. And we really can identify with what you're saying. Even if maybe we're not always conscious that you, you said that thing because you know, you're saying something that, Oh wait, is that true? Should I be thinking like that? Or should I, should I see that in my family in a way that, Oh, does that mean I don't care or appreciate my, my family or, you know, all these possibilities? But the reality is, yeah, we're thinking the things that you're saying in these memes and are appreciative that we have a community where you can actually really identify maybe some things that we're not seeing. Yes. And you know what? That is one of the reasons that I love my account is because it kind of sneaks in under the guise of humor. But what it does is it really hits people with feeling seen, Uh feeling part of a community, um, highlighting things they haven't thought about or giving new strategies and new ideas. And um, it it kind of disarms them with the humor so that they're able to hear the message in there. And I mean, one of the greatest things is throwing out a meme that I'm not sure anybody else will relate to. And then having all these moms come on and saying, oh my gosh, it's not just me. Or are you in my house? How do you know this? Yeah, And it's just saying, you know, you're not the only one. We nope. all have this experience or it's such a common one in our community. Do you have a favorite meme? You know what? I don't know that I do. I, I really do enjoy the ones where I kind of, uh, kind of help people feel seen in things like the yeah. Enneagram memes, the Enneagram homeschoolers. Those ones people love because they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so true. And I just love it because it's like, that's kind of where I feel my talent lies is in kind of saying, you know, saying, I know you, I see you, I understand you. You know, that's what a four loves is to be seen and understood. And so I love loving people that way, making them feel seen and understood. So, and especially if we throw in a little humor there too, it's just a sweet spot. Yeah, it's very entertaining. And it really speaks to my heart. I was such, I was tickled that you agreed to an interview because I'm like, okay, who is the person behind all of these, you know, this account? And it just makes so much sense that you're a type four, complete sense. (laughs) (laughs) You were talking about being introverted as well. That Yeah. And yet you're so out there and so vulnerable in sharing you know, how you see the world and what you see inside your home. So that's, that's interesting that you're so out there on, on the Instagram account, homeschooling, 
homeschool with classics or homeschooling? Homeschooling with the classics, yeah. With the classics, right? Yes. And so that's so interesting that you're able to be introverted and also to fully put yourself out there. It's a vulnerable place to be. It is. You know, one of the things that I've learned is being introverted doesn't mean you can't be vulnerable. Um, Being introverted really just means that you need to be alone sometimes to recharge your battery. Yeah. Um, Being vulnerable is actually a universal thing we can all experience. And it's actually a gift that we give to others is being vulnerable. And once again, as a type four, vulnerability is kind of big to me because being authentic is so important for us, you know, just putting it all out there. So everybody sees, you know, all the parts. So I find that unnerving. So I, you know, I feel like there's a shield (laughs) and it is that if you saw where we live, I'm very rural. In fact, even the people that are in the town next to us, when they come out to us, they're like, you're very rural. (laughs) (laughs) We really are. This is not where I always grew up. I literally was in the biggest city in the entire country last weekend, completely overwhelmed by people. It was way too many people. I'm pretty yeah. sure I've got COVID. <laughs> I must have COVID. Oh, no. I don't even know I have COVID. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but here I am, you know, um, a half an hour out of a very small town on a mountainside with fish running through the river. There's bears, there's cougars. I've got my goats and chickens and my great Pyrenees puppy. And I love my life. And that's my shield is that people aren't mm-hmm. actually a fly on the wall because they couldn't be in my house. And yet I am very open. I feel with everyone out there. And at times it's very uncomfortable place to be that vulnerable or to be that open. And at the same time, people really connect with you when you're being honest because they are really feeling similar stuff. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I do say that there's always two levels of vulnerability you know, we have our core vulnerability place that that's the spot just for our spouse or our partner or family. And then out of that, you know, our really close friends, then friends, acquaintances, you know, the world in general. Um, And so obviously, I'm not going to give the same level of myself to everybody. But too, like you said, you describing where you live sounds like a dream to me. And I'm, I'm blessed in that we live on a private lake and kind of a secluded little area. We are actually within the city limits, but it's kind of secluded. Most people don't know we're here. So it's pretty private. Um, and I do need that. I need that yeah. buffer. I, I need that real life buffer. You know, I'm, it's much easier to be vulnerable online, isn't it? Because it you is. can shut it yeah. down. <laughs> and I can do it with people locally. Actually, I absolutely am that I am that, but just like you said, I'm way more aware of my, my sense of boundaries or something because I know that I'm not supposed to be fully open, like an open book to everyone. So it's so funny. Yeah. Kids were like, Hey, why don't you advertise what you do for homeschool moms in the community and put big posters up? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, even no, though I don't want to see people in real life. <laughs> yeah. And I actually am, you know, it's not like I'm not known in real life in that way as well, but uh, it's different. And it's not, it's not trying to be different online versus in person. Um, but, you know, as a doctor's wife in the first 
probably 10 years. We lived inside of smaller towns and everyone always knew everything about what we were doing. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know who they were because they only knew my husband. And so random people would be talking to me about my life and it felt really kind of creepy. So that that's where I come from in a, I'm not wanting to be a total open book before people. And yet I find that I don't know that I'm not sharing anything and I am more able to connect with people if I'm being straight. In fact, deeply connect with people. And that actually, you know, I think we briefly spoke about uh, homeschool moms feel lonely at times. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest two reasons why we feel lonely. One is because we're not actually being authentic. We're not being that vulnerable with people around us. So when we show up and we're trying to be this like shiny, clean, perfect image of what homeschooling is and, or just whoever we think we're supposed to be, then we, maybe people like us, but when they like us, they like the shiny person and we know that they like the shiny person subconsciously mm-hmm. even, and they're not necessarily knowing the real person. So we have to show up authentically to connect. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And then of course, the other one that we'd spoken about before was that when we expect our community to be just like us, whatever that is, and we expect them to think the same way and to understand our children at you know, their personalities or their stage of, you know, life or childhood or understand how we homeschool or what our lifestyle is like or whatever. Um, If we expect it to be the same, we are limiting ourselves in really experiencing connection with a lot of other people. And I like it. We did a lot of traveling for seven years of our homeschooling. And I learned in that, that you can get to know, like really know people because you're super curious when you're going to all these different places. And we can do that super curious stuff with people in our own backyard too. I'm just not putting a poster up around town to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, one of the things I'm really passionate about is giving my children a lot of exposure to a lot of different ideas, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different thought processes, family types, um, people, different faiths, everything like that, so that they can grow that compassion muscle and grow their empathy. Because the more we're exposed to things, the less other it becomes. And the more we begin to see how we're we're very similar. And also be able to treasure the differences in one another and see the value in that beautiful kaleidoscope of the way that God made people. Beautiful. That is so beautiful. That's a book. I think you should write a book. (laughs) But first you need to go on a stand-up tour for homeschool moms. And I want to know you. That's so funny. It's so funny because I never wanted to be on stage. I never wanted to be the center of attention. That's just not my deal. I like to quietly mill around in the background or actually you guys all go ahead and do your thing with the stage. I'll be at home reading a book and it's ended up with wild and free that I've been on stage for a few of their conferences and I will be on their upcoming conference. And it's just so funny to me because uh, yeah, it's just not what I anticipated. It's not within my comfort zone, but really as a, type four, as a type four, I have you pegged as you should be on stage, but then become reclusive afterwards. Is, is that that is right? absolutely me. So yeah. 
one of the conference venues we go to is exactly a seven and a half hour drive from where I live. And they always offer to fly me out. And I'm like, no, I need to drive because I need that time headed out there and headed back. Yeah. No people by myself. Yeah. Because when I go conference weekend, I go hard. Yeah. <laughs> but then I crash and burn. And it's so funny because my my mom and my sister live locally and they'll text me and they'll be like, Bet, it's been two weeks since the conference. Can we see you yet? <laughs> I love that. I have a type four daughter as well, who is, um, she has a very significant YouTube following. Um, I put a lot of my content on YouTube and don't have a significant YouTube following. This kiddo is <laughs> putting stuff out there on her analysis of makeup or, you know, what it's like to be a 12 year old. She's 16 now and it gets a huge reaction. And, but she's a type four. So she's like, I decided I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't care about it anymore. And it keeps growing. And, yep. you know, she's, she's exactly <laughs> like you're saying is she's very capable of standing up in front of an audience and being hilarious or being entertaining, but just give me my room afterwards. Cause I just want to go be reclusive. Yep, exactly. Yep. Very creative. That's so funny. Neat. That's so neat that she's been able to develop that, that interest of hers. What a cool thing. She presently doesn't care about it. And yet it's still growing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a little bit. She wants to be an actress though. So she is definitely aware of where she's going. I've said, you know, but what about college? And I don't think kids have to go to college, but she's like, nope, I'm not going to college. And yet she's on the plane the other day with me. And she's like, so how far or how fast do you think the plane is going? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe we should ask somebody. She's like, no, we can figure it out based on what's going on on the map right now. And it took this many seconds for the plane to go from here to here. And then the, her and her sister are going through the process of it. She finally gets a calculation. And then I ask the flight attendant and he confirms that they're accurate in all of this. And I'm like, wow, yeah, you're a little too smart to just, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, you know, who am I to say, right? Who am I to say? They're all very unique. I love it. Unique thing. I love it. And you know what? I have to tell you, especially if a child wants to go into a career in the arts, sometimes life provides the the education we need. Um, You know, obviously I did not finish my arts degree, but now that's what I do. My, uh, I own a business with my friend and we do um, design and art and I actually design uh textile art so oh, for fabrics oh, and really? it's just so funny because it was one of the the fields that I looked in going into was textile artistry and mm. ended up now here I am 30 years later doing it so <laughs> no kidding yeah yeah that's my experience too is that kind of okay maybe I'll do this maybe I'll do this but everything feeds together to become who you were meant to be yes yeah, yeah, and so absolutely. interesting that you have a design or you're creating the actual art and she's putting it into textiles. Well, um, she is the designer and I am the artist. I create the art. She helps me direct it based on what colors are hot, the trends, the look people are looking for, a certain style, aesthetic. And then I take that art digitally and I turn it into repeating patterns that then are printed on fabric. So we license our patterns through different fabric companies. Oh, that is amazing. So type four right there. I can totally <laughs> Could see we get any more niche? <laughs> yes. You are very unique, like, but you actually are. <laughs> Thank 
you. Yes, that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> I know it is. Yes, and I hope I have helped you feel encouraged by this because I am a type two. <laughs> what we're doing right now, and it is so helpful for us to actually understand our partners or our kids or whoever's significant in our lives and really understand they're just coming at life from a different a different angle. Absolutely. But I'd love to hear what you do in your white space that's outside of your artistry on your Instagram account or in your, your design world. So what do you do outside of those things? And of course, homeschooling. So I definitely encourage moms to create their own space, to create their own margin and time to refuel and rest. Um, Very important. Um, And within my space, a lot of times I put in my earbuds and I listen to podcasts or I listen to mystery novels or I go to my room and I read for a while. Though lately I've found when I start reading an actual print book, I start to fall asleep. So we'll have to work on that. Um, but I also love to fish. And that's just one of these new passions I've developed in the last few years living on our lake. I love that. I would love for you to come over and teach me how to use my fishing rod, which I got from Mother's Day. (laughs) I asked for it for Mother's Day. My husband did not believe I wanted it. I do want it. I want to catch fish. I've even got one of those fishing knives. I forget what they're called. (laughs) I want to learn how to do that. So what kind of fish do you catch? Uh, We catch bass and we catch crappies and bluegills and yeah, just kind of your standard North Carolina lake and creek fish. So love that. I love that. And, you know, kind of a move towards self-sufficiency too. Are you on a homestead as well? No, no, we're not. I'm not that homeschool, but (laughs) we, we do, we live um, in a 100 year old log cabin on a few acres. We have a private lake we share with a couple neighbors and um, we just spend a lot of time outside. Yeah, me too. And that's, I'm, I am that homeschool. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have a great Pyrenees that is its own homestead those are a lot of work those dogs oh my goodness they're beautiful dogs they're beautiful but if you are a stranger you don't show up unannounced here oh. <laughs> she will tell us um but also we've got 20 chickens we just got three goats last about a week and a half ago and I did not grow up this way so I don't really identify with the homestead lifestyle but also my fingernails are never clean because I'm always in the garden I love that whole <laughs> lifestyle thing. Also, I, I think I think we're all not really as stereotype probably as we appear to be, though, because I did not grow up like this. And um, we lived or we, we actually traveled for seven years of our homeschool. So we've had the kids in fine dining restaurants at times. We went to Paris for my daughter's seventh birthday. Um, oh, wow. But we were also in Africa a couple times doing some volunteer hospital work. I think what's great about homeschool is that it actually provides the margin for us to discover our passions and our kids' passions and pursue them. Yeah. Then so many people would actually say to me, like, how do you get any time for yourself? (laughs) But you have to make it really if you want to do this long term. Mm -hmm. You better find a way Mm -hmm. to make it. How do you make it for yourself? So when... When my kids were little, uh, it was a lot harder to find yeah. that margin. And I want to recognize that with kids, with uh, mothers, with small children, 
it's a short season, but it is a rough season and you do need to call on your village for help. (laughs) You know, go ahead and call your best friend, call your mom, call your sister. Hey, I need to go and wander target for two hours or I'm going to lose my mind. Can you come and watch the kids, (laughs) you know, call on your village. And, and I also just kind of instilled things into our schedule that helped benefit my introverted heart mm-hmm. where uh, in the afternoon, after we were done with school, babies, toddlers went down for naps, big kids went for quiet time in their rooms where they read or drew or play with Legos. And I would go lay down with a book or, you know, listen to music and clean the house by myself, which isn't that funny when you're a mother and all of a sudden cleaning the house by yourself becomes like a spa day. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. The different, uh, the different perception you have of life after kids. Yeah. But now that my kids are older, we still kind of follow a similar schedule where in the afternoon after school, they go do their thing. And then I'm going to go fishing for a little bit if I can, or I'm going to go sit down and read, or I'll go in my studio and paint for a while you know, listen to a podcast while I'm cleaning, just Mm -hmm. have some time to myself again. So I just think it's really important for moms to figure out a way. It may not look like it does in my home or somebody else's, Mm -hmm. but you figure out a way that it works for you. Yeah. I, you know, I was just listening to a podcast myself in the morning while I went for a run and I was listening to this more seasoned homeschool mom talk with a younger homeschool mom about how you really can easily absorb into your kid's world and lose your own sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I know that from personal experience that especially as a type two, it's my default And, um, uh, you know, with my oldest was a type eight and type eights are very demanding, I guess. Is that a kind word or accurate? And so then my natural sense is to just allow myself to become whatever the other people are around me and Mm -hmm. to create a sense of self outside of your homeschool world is really tricky because that's what you're doing all the time is homeschooling. You're with them all the time, that it's so easy to lose our sense of self because we're with our kids a lot, not all the time, but a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think that is something that we see quite often, especially um, there's kind of a culture of sacrifice yourself to motherhood, Mm -hmm. which motherhood is a sacrifice. Absolutely. It's a beautiful sacrifice, but I don't think we were ever meant to lose ourselves for 20 or so years Right to, you know, uh, in fact, it's not a good example for our kids. Right. They need to see us developing ourselves and continuing to grow and learn. In fact, that's another thing Charlotte Mason said. She called it mother culture. And she right. said, you need to model for your children, continuing your education, continuing your thirst for no- more knowledge and more skills and to do the things you love. Don't abandon them. And so, I mean, what an amazing insight from a woman in the Victorian era, England. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, this morning, I was referencing the Victorian England era, because I said to my husband, after my daughter has only been gone two or three days now, in a different city across the country, and she graduated, she's in college. And I'm grieving, and I'm feeling really kind of lost in a way, even though I have two kids at home. But it really it hurts. And I don't want her to leave and I really like her and she should stay here forever 
and <laughs> my emotions are not with logic. Like this is what I've prepared her for is to go off and do her thing. And, and then I'm like, but maybe we should go back to the Victorian era where she's either married with five kids right now or at 18 or she's um she's going to be an old maid at home wait no that's probably not what I'm going for so then yeah so Victorian era and Charlotte Mason and she got that at that phase that is pretty amazing yes yes it's really funny uh that you mentioned that because my oldest sister and I we both had a year at home when I was 18 and she would have been 23 yeah, um, both living at my parents' home. And we both happened to be like really low effort jobs at the time where we didn't have to leave home much. And we would just lay around and do embroidery and read aloud to each other. And we called it our Jane Austen year. I we were just that. sitting there waiting for our husbands <laughs> to arrive. <laughs> okay, so that cheered me up. Thank you. <laughs> but you know what? That sounds really beautiful. You could actually write a it, book. It on was that. it was a lovely year. Now yeah. there were difficult parts about it. The reason that I was so low ambition sitting around home was because I had terrible agoraphobia, and I was so oh. afraid of going out anywhere or seeing people at all. My anxiety yeah. was at such a fever pitch at that age, right. and so it, it there obviously were. There's always another side to there's every story, isn't there? That's yeah, true. so. Well, you share, I, mean, I can still share look back all. and see the beauty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you do really reflect a lot of different experiences or a lot of different sides in the memes that you've got online. Your, your interest in art. I love that. I love Monet. He, you know, impressionism is by far my, my favorite era of art, but I love seeing art, classical art, mostly um, it reflected in my own life experience and it just feels so sophisticated and creative and <laughs> like and true all at the same time it's really it's really entertaining you know I really have a passion for sharing art with others for sharing art history for helping to humanize art especially classical art because a lot of it can feel stiff formal and other and when we're able to actually see ourselves in it, that's when we actually begin to have that connection and we go into the art and we explore it deeper. And that's just one of the things I love to do. I especially loved the the one where there was a woman with a few kids, which is a very common thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, no, she doesn't have a few kids. She the piece of work says when you stand up after bending over in a scoop neck sweater and your <laughs> cup runneth over. <laughs> yes. So funny. That is not probably what I would have thought of if I'd gone into an art gallery and seen this photo, I would have said, Oh, there's some sophisticated royalty or aristocracy or something. I wonder who she was or what the historical background is, but you like spin it in a way that I'm like, Oh, that is hilarious. That is too funny. I love, I love the art. I love the humor all gathered together. So what would you say would be a useful tool for new homeschool mamas or moms that have been really tired after a very long year and a half of really a massive shift for a lot of people. Um, what would you give as encouragement to new homeschool mamas? So I would say, go back to your core why. And if you don't have your core why yet, develop it. For my family, my core why is heart connection. 
everything flows out of that. And, you know, out of that, we develop our other priorities that, you know, we stick with, but everything has to go along and align with heart connection. So figure out what your why is. Why are you homeschooling? Mm -hmm. What do you hope will be the end product at the end of this beautiful race? And then keep that in a place where you can continually go back to it. You know, that's your Ebenezer stone. That's your, I go back here and I remember I remember why I'm doing this. I remember why it's important to me and is what I'm doing aligning with that? Because if it's not, we get to scrap it, start over again with something new. Uh, Course corrections are generous and abundant. (laughs) We get to change our minds if things aren't working. So just continue to go back to your core why. And then especially after this last year and a half, I would say, If you are finding that you are struggling to a point where you are feeling anxious all the time, you feel hopeless, you feel constantly like you're behind and you can't catch up no matter how many times you go back to your core why, you pray, you, you know, talk to people about it, go get help. Yeah. Go and talk to somebody, talk to a doctor, talk to your, your pastor, talk to your friend, your mother, your sister, talk to somebody about what's going on with you and get help. Um, you may need to actually go and to get therapy for a while, which, oh my gosh, I am the biggest stand for therapy. Yeah. Therapy is awesome. And I think everyone, no matter what their situation in life should go do therapy because it just changes your viewpoint. It changes how you look at the world and it's just such a helpful tool. Yeah, it really is. Definitely get help if you need it. Yeah, well said. And it can't be said enough. And the beauty, I mean, everyone this last year has had some very, very big experience in life. It's always interesting to me to hear everybody's very unique stories. Um, But everybody has had something. And yet, when people are in the place of being therapists or counselors or coaches or whatever they are, they're able to not be intimately connected with your story and to feel your story in a way that can take away from their energy. So they are able to be objective bystanders in your world and be resource persons that have real tools, real strategies in how to approach this next step. And sometimes all it takes is just a really cleverly worded question that, you know, coming from my point of view, when I'm working with homeschool moms, that it, I've learned it's not about me giving advice. It's about me asking questions that probe someone to think more about their lives in a way that helps them to see something differently. And it's just that perspective shift that goes, okay, I don't have to be concerned about that or overcome by this or something. And you can't do that with your own head. You can't do that with yourself, except that I will say sometimes if you stare at yourself in a mirror in a very intense moment, and it sounds super weird, but it's re- it really works. You stare at yourself when you're either really angry or sad or some intense emotion and speak to yourself like you are your own friend. It is therapeutic, too. You're That's probably going to get sure. more. Yeah. yeah, you'll probably get more benefit over the long run by speaking through your you know, stuff with somebody else. But I really appreciate you saying that because that's, it's really important for us to, to affirm that therapy is underrated and it's worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. So do you have any resources or um, books or treatments or anything that you would specifically recommend? So one book that so many years I've returned to before we begin our school year is Teaching from Rest by Sarah McKenzie. 
that book is just to me like gold standard for homeschooling moms. It just is so packed with grace and, you know, just honestly, it's very usable. It's very practicable Mm -hmm. as well. And I love that book. I also love, um, uh, the Call of the Wild and Free by Ainsley uh-huh. Arment. That is a fantastic book just to kind of, that one excites you, gets you excited. If you're feeling a little blase about schooling, that one will get you going. It'll excite you about it. And then pretty much anything that Julie Bogart has written is just okay. always such spot on great advice. And once again, very practical. Yeah, I agree. So interesting. You're recommending Wild and Free. You're also speaking at Wild and Free this year. When is the conference? It is September 17th and 18th. Ooh, that's yeah. Exciting. So it's sold out. Yeah. But uh, for people who end up getting uh, the bundles memberships, eventually they will be allowed to view videos or audio from the conference. So that's generally how it works is a few months down the line, they'll be released. So I got to ask, I haven't been part of that last year and I was so tempted, didn't quite get into it for some reason. It didn't work with whatever was going on, but um, are you doing stand up on wild and free? Well, I'm hoping I'm helping host. So that's generally what I've done in the past, help host or provide little comedic side bits. Yeah. So they kind of, yeah, use me as their stand up person. So So you are the Tina Fey of the homeschool world. I look forward (laughs) to Oh, I wish she's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, but you're really hilarious and you know homeschooling. So to close our interview, I I would love to hear what you've learned alongside your kids this week, or should I say these last two days? Because I think you just started homeschooling again in the last couple of days. Yeah, I started yesterday. So yesterday was our soft open. So that's when we have cinnamon rolls and we do all the fun artsy things, you know, nature journaling and composer study and poetry and just like the loosey goosey stuff. I love that. Today we actually started our core subjects. Now, even with that, we start with smaller amount of time than we will build up to because I'm all about gentle transitions because I've got five neurodivergent children. Oh, so um, we did that. And you know what I learned today was that. Almost every day after we've had a more strenuous academic day, I am so anxious that I feel like I'm on speed in the afternoon. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is why I love summer because I don't feel this. (laughs) And realizing that I'm like, oh, something here needs to be adjusted. I am either taking on more than I should with my kids Uh work, you know, instead of letting them own it. Yeah. Or I'm not pacing us correctly. Or I'm demanding too much of both of us, right? You know, which yeah. I find that I can do where I'm like, nope, come on, push through. We can do this, push through when really maybe I need to say, okay, you know what? Five minute break. We'll come back to it. Yeah. And so I recognized that about myself and said, no, I need to adjust that. So that's something I'm going to be journaling about and looking into and figuring out what I need to do to fix that going forward this year. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Because once again, another course correction. And Mm -hmm. there's sometimes where I think, how am I directing homeschool moms or helping to come alongside them and encourage them to do this thing when I'm still doing it? And then I think, wait, no, actually the fact that I'm still doing it definitely brings compassion to the mix. And I am way more compassionate, but also um, there's a constant growth. Like we're constantly growing, constantly learning from our kids. And just like what you're doing right now is one more course correction. 
because you're actually doing what I'm always encouraging people and myself to do is to actually feel what you're feeling and say, okay, if I'm not feeling right in this, how do I shift so that it can Mm -hmm. feel better? And, you know, if it's not really working for you, then what do you do differently? So yeah, that'll be really interesting to hear how you unpack that. Yeah, here's hoping. Yeah, <laughs> it'll happen. It's a matter of years. It will. I'll Have figure it out. More we'll work it yeah. out. We'll get in our groove again. Exactly. Yeah. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you today. I'm so glad that we could connect in real time. Yeah. Tell me, tell me where we can find you online now that I've shared a whole lot about your Instagram account. All right. So on Instagram, you can find me at homeschooling underscore with the classics. And then I call it my boring account, which is my personal account where you'll see more of like my kids doing homeschool stuff. (laughs) And that one is at tall timbers underscore Willow Lake. And on Facebook, there is a page for homeschooling with the classics. Just look up homeschooling with the classics. It has been so much fun chatting with you. And I look forward to seeing you at the conference virtually. Yes. Thank you so much. I loved being on here with you. I would love to learn more about who you are. So introduce yourself at the Homeschool Mama self-care Instagram page or the Facebook group, the Homeschool Mama support group, so we can support and encourage each other in our homeschool challenges. While you're there, you can check out my book of homeschool encouragement, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. If you're a homeschool mama looking for a mentoring group to gain clarity, confidence, and vision in your homeschool, to create a plan to nurture the nurturer, and be intentional in how you show up in your homeschool, ask me about the Homeschool Mama Retreat or the Capturing the Charmed Homeschool Mentoring Group. All the show notes and links to this episode will be found at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. Until next time, I hope you and your kids have a charmed week, or if you're having one of those weeks, I hope you can reframe your challenges into your homeschool charms.